It's the afternoon cruise. I'm connecting with Ronnie Foster. He's getting ready for a show next Thursday over at Dakota. Ronnie Foster, thank you for catching up with the afternoon cruise. Oh, man, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Now, I got a, a cool piece of information for you. Your cover of Stevie Wonder's Isn't She Lovely was actually Jazz 88's number one song of 2022. We played it more than, really? yeah, played it more than any other song. And I'm the music director. I definitely programmed it. But a lot of DJs were oh, just okay. adding it into their set because, I mean, I, I, I program pretty democratically, you know, so a lot of the tunes right. we put in get played the same amount. But DJs are stepping right. up, playing that song more, putting extra spins on it. From your point of view, why do you think that is? What makes that song so awesome and so cool? I think, well, first of all, you know, who wrote it? So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, Stevie wrote it. You know. you know, if you look back on a lot of my albums, I've, I've always done a Stevie tune. So we did this version, you know, kind of a shuffle thing, little little different thing on the chords, because like Steve gives me a hard time sometimes. Oh, those aren't the right chords. I said, yeah, they're the right chords. I said, that's by arrangement. <laughs> I heard a, a similar story about Joni Mitchell and Prince being at a piano next to each other. And Joni uh, goes, what are you playing? And Prince goes, I'm playing your song. And she goes, I can't hear it in the inside of all the stuff he was adding to it. Uh, so so right. maybe, <laughs> maybe folks that are decorated. I had no idea that you had a personal relationship with Stevie Wonder. That's got to oh, be yeah. so cool to know the man and also to yeah. have him sort of rib you about the the chords. I, th I think the arrangement yeah. is spot on and just a beautiful oh, rendition. Yeah. Yeah. We're born a day apart, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> got you wow what a trip yeah it's it's crazy i always give him a hard time i said oh you know respect your elders i'm a date you know before him so <laughs> well i'd say ronnie another thing that you and stevie wonder kind of have in common is not missing a beat right stevie wonder when you hear him crack the microphone now he still sounds yeah. like a young man and when i hear you work in the hammond b3 it yeah. doesn't sound like you've missed a beat so what has kept you so in musical shape, in, in, in spiritual shape, all the things that go into putting on top-notch performances, how are you able to do that, you know, well well into your years, but still sounding so fresh and invigorated on the instrument? I appreciate that. You know, I love what I do. You know, I feel I still have a lot to say musically, mm -hmm. especially with, you know, my return to uh, Blue Note and all that, and uh, dealing with Don Was, who's a genius, by the way. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I stay in shape. You know, I play basketball five days a week, three hours a day. So that that helps. And, and you know, I, I, I'm just a, a youthful guy. And music, you know, it, it isn't about age. It's just about how you feel. And, and I'm just uh, displaying, you know, what I feel. Are you so youthful and optimistic that you think the Knicks have a chance over the Miami Heat? Or are you not quite that optimistic? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's just kind of crazy. I mean, you see what's going on, so it's it's going to be a, a good playoff, so that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now, with this last record, Reboot, you're back in the studio, and it, it, it was some time since the last time you put out a release. Right. So much has changed technologically. You're still trying to capture the spirit of music in a recording environment, but... um. What, what was the most exciting thing for you about being back in the studio f to make Reboot? One of the beautiful things for me was that my son uh, played drums on four cuts. Oh, wow. Uh, my daughter designed the cover, and she's a musical phenom herself and also very creative. And she took Alfred Lyons-type photographs into studio. And so having your family involved like that it was great. Then on top of that, 
uh, Michael O'Neill, who's uh, on guitar on the album, and so uh, had Jerry Lopez, who did the intro, the flamenco intro to Carlos. All good friends, all family, Lenny Castro, Luis Conte. Uh, Jimmy Brandley was somebody I, I didn't know. And he came on at the last minute because uh, we had a couple other uh, friends that were supposed to play drums on on a couple other things. And uh, they unfortunately got sick. Yeah. So, you know, it was that time period, you know, with COVID and all that. So anyway, Michael Neal uh, suggested Jimmy Brandley. And I, I'm glad it happened that way. You know, things happen for a reason. So we, we had a great, everybody had a great chemistry and we had a lot of fun. And we did the recording in one day and mixed it in one day. <laughs> oh, man, that is the way to do it. I feel like, I mean, that, you know, and to some extent, that's staying true to the label, right? I mean, there's some of these great Blue right. Note records, ones you've been involved in, ones you haven't been involved in. You still just go, it goes, recorded July 16th, 1965. And you go, right. it's amazing. <laughs> just, just a snapshot yeah. of world-class musicians. Have you been pleased with the response? Because it seems like you've been, you know, we, we've been playing your music a lot, but we don't seem to be in the minority. A lot of folks are really supportive of this release how's it been going yeah no it, it's great uh surprising i don't know if you heard about uh elton john reached out to me <laughs> i found out he was kind of just kind of crazy so he had his podcast we had like 30 minutes you know before he went on and we just chatted and talked about music and life and all that stuff guy knows his music knows his music he is a beast we were talking about, uh, you know, he's talking about some of his favorite org players. He go, oh, Groove Home, McDuff, Jimmy Smith. And one thing he said to me made me really laugh was uh, he says, oh, yeah, I used to play Jimmy Smith the cat on a Farfisa organ. <laughs> and I said, then when he came here, he invited me to the show, the guy went on for like three hours, almost three hours, and didn't miss a beat. He was, you know, A++ game. And then at the end of the show, he uh, actually gave me a shout out. <laughs> which oh was God. I was not expecting, you know. So it was, yeah, a, a beautiful thing. So that that was a, a great response. And then, you know, we're just getting, you know, just a lot of feedback from. We got a lot of great interviews, uh, even in UK and and uh, you know Europe and besides the states. So, yeah, I'm very 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 happy with what what's going on and trying to get out here and um, get on the road, you know, to, to support it even more. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting time, you know, and you know what reboot means, right? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. that's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm chatting with Ronnie Foster. He's getting ready for a show next Thursday over at the Dakota. Just talking a little bit about Elton John. And, man, Elton John is kind of like my perfect segue here because the last person I heard on Elton John's <laughs> radio show was Q-Tip. And I got to do the obligatory A Tribe oh, yeah. Called Quest question uh, because I was born in 1981, right. Ronnie Foster. The, the first time I heard your music was in, I don't know, going into seventh grade and hearing electric relaxation for the first time. You got introduced <laughs> to this whole generation of musicians through Q-Tip and then J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar flipped it as well. This is the, the Mystic Brew composition. How did you first find out that the right. uh, this new generation of musicians was uh, utilizing some of your source material? Well, this was a very interesting story you, you bring up because there was a guy, I can't think of his name now, he's uh, a DJ, you know, uh, in England and one of the forefathers of acid jazz in, in the UK. And he happened to call me one time and said, hey, man, you know, we're playing your music. We love it. Da, 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 da. He said we were going to do a remix on uh, Mystic Brew, but 
Tribe Called Quest did it already. And I said, they did? <laughs> and uh, so I went in and found it. And, uh, you know, back in the day, this was very prevalent in, in the hip hop world of, you know, not getting licensing and yeah. just just sampling stuff and going with it, right? So then I reached out to uh, and took care of everything and we're all good. So, <laughs> you know, and I've since uh, talked to Q-Tip a few times uh, last year and this year. When I'm at the gym, I'm playing with guys The maybe the oldest guy is maybe like 30. Oh my God. But gosh. it's a lot of youngsters okay we're running full court by the way and uh, a lot of youngsters you know somebody will go that knows me and say oh you know old school man he's he's in the music they find out you know j cole is kind of the the newest and they say, dude oh is that you man oh you know and they follow me on instagram and all this stuff so it's 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 fun like that you know Oh, man. Well, A, I'm glad you're getting your money when they use it. And B, I'm glad it's making you cool on the basketball court. That's a win-win. That's a now, Ronnie, I assume you visited Minneapolis plenty of times in your long career. Do you got any things you love about the city, things you're looking forward to doing besides for hitting the Dakota when you come through town? Yeah, Minneapolis has always been a very musical town. I got, you know, beautiful friends there with the Peterson family. You know, I already talked to Ricky and uh, he said, oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Don't worry. I'll, you know, because he's on the road with uh, Stevie Nicks. Right. But uh, he said, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm really looking forward to to coming there and uh, sharing what we do. Uh, we just had a successful three shows in um, uh, New York uh, last week and uh, three sold out shows. So we're, you know, feeling that was pretty good for a Monday. Do you have a relationship, or excuse me, I should use the past tense. Did you have a relationship with Brother Jack McDuff, yeah. somebody who spent a lot of their life in Minneapolis? Oh, okay. This. So uh, Jack, when I met him, I was like 13, 14. And, you know, we, we began a relationship. And he would have me sit on the Oregon bench with him every night when he was in town. I was there, and he'd have me sit on the Oregon bench with him. And, you know, I'm just soaking it up. I'm just happy to be on the bench, right? Right. <laughs> while, while he's doing it. So, but one time, which was kind of crazy, there was this time where uh, Joe Dukes, the drummer, had a solo. And Jack would just hold this one chord. And one night he looked over me, he says, Ronnie, grab this. And, he, <laughs> and so he gave me the chord. And I, I held the chord and he went down to the bar and got a drink. And Joe Dukes is going off, you know, on his solo. And Jack is looking at me, smiling, giving me thumbs up. I was thrilled just to hold the chord because that's all, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so there was, that was a great, great memory. But he, you know, he was always, and a lot of the other masters, I was very fortunate to, uh, you know, have a relationship with. It was just, you know, it was just, you know, knowledge and inspiration. I don't know if you know that I started studying with Jimmy when I was 12. I did not know that. Yeah, Jimmy Smith and Jimmy introduced me to George Benson when I was 14. So, and then George and I started hanging out. And then when Lonnie left to go uh, out on his own, I started playing on the weekends when I was 15 with George. So, you know, and then, you know, the rest of that history with Reason and all that stuff. So, because he was the one that got me off of uh, uh, Oregon to play keys as well, you know, just added to my thing jack groove i'll tell you a quick story about groove home so he um uh, one time we was in town and i had done a gig and i had to rent a u-haul to take my organ back home and i was 
talking with Groove, and he says, "Man, come on, I got a trailer. Let's go get pick up your organ." So he, you know, took me to the club, pick up an organ, and helped me take it home. You know, that those kind of relationships. Johnny Hammond's mess. Uh, <clears throat> Johnny said to me one time, he says, "Listen, you know why we let you come up and play?" And he's talking about, you know, most of the, most of the guys would let me sit in. And he says, "Because you're not trying to prove something, and you love to play." Uh-huh. You know. So, the, you know, that stuff is, uh, yeah. Herbie, I met when I was 13. In fact, uh, if you listen to the turnaround on Swingin', I met Herbie when he was with, I was with the group, you know, in Herbie, Ron, and uh, Tony. I used to carry my melodica around with me, so I went up there uh, to this club that I could always sneak into, and I said, Herbie, I said, I'm a young world player. Uh, can you give me an alternative turnaround on a blues? You know, the turnaround on on swinging on reboot is the alternative turnaround that he showed me that I I so I used in the song. So, uh, yeah, that that's you know that kind of stuff is is crazy. Like I said, I was very fortunate to be exposed to those those guys at an early age. Well, much respect to him, much respect to you, Ronnie Foster, because you were one of the names, you were one of the guys, and I'm so, so thankful that you're back making music in the studio, so thankful that you're out on the road. Yeah. You're going to be coming to the Dakota next Thursday uh, playing. Who's coming with you on the gig? Right. Oh, my son <laughs> on drums, and uh, Michael O'Neill, who uh, uh, plays with me, and also he's the rhythm guitarist for George Benson still. Because uh, we used to work together with George, and uh, I brought him on uh, to Stevie's band one time uh, when I uh, put a little band together for Stevie for tours. So, um, yeah, so it'll be the three of us. It's uh, high, high, high energy, and I and I expect to see you there. So, oh, oh, yeah, I'm I'm getting a babysitter. I'll make sure I can make my way out. So. Okay, <laughs> that'll be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Ronnie Foster, we appreciate you chatting with Jazz88. We'll catch you next Thursday at the Dakota, and thank you for taking time to chat with us today. Right, and thanks to all the listeners, all the DJs for playing our music. I really do appreciate that, and uh, uh, I will see you next week. Sounds good, my friend. You have a good one. All right, peace. Peace.